Welcome to the Business of Buildings podcast, where passionate professionals in the building industry share knowledge and perspectives to inspire positive change in the places we live. In this episode, Johan Velleman is here to provide us a background and knowledge on indirect evaporative cooling systems. Johan is a lead sales engineer with Sealy International, based out of Adelaide, who specializes in evaporative and indirect evaporative cooling systems and the Climate Wizard product. All right, let's listen in. Oh, hey, Johan, how are you doing? Very good, thank you. You too? Good. Yeah, that's good. It's connected all fine. I uh, just got an email in from, I keep getting these junk emails uh, from this company trying to sell out hand sanitizers and disinfectant wipe kits for the company. <laughs> that's, that's, a bit <laughs> that's a bit of diversification. <laughs> the thing is, I've never replied to them, and it just keeps keeps coming with, with the emails. And he's out of Fitzroy, Brunswick Street, Fitzroy. Yep. So even if I wanted to get a COVID workplace pack, I don't think he can get it to me. <laughs> Maybe I should reply with, yeah, I want it now. I want it by Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, good. Thanks for joining. Uh, obviously, I'm a, huge, I'm a huge fan of Climate Wizard, um, of the product, of the way it's yeah. applied. It offers a lower energy solution, fresh air. As an engineer, obviously, we've had a lot of projects where we've worked on it together. And you were great to kind of educate me and bring me up to speed with with how it works and the technology behind it. Because as an engineer, that's my primary objective is to understand it first and then apply it. So I um, I'm always amazed at how many people don't know what it is. Um, you know, architects, builders, developers, to know how how great of a product it is and what it can what it can offer, especially in today's world with COVID and. I think there's going to be a push towards healthier buildings and lower energy solutions to help curb climate change and that. But obviously, you're the expert and you're you're great at explaining it. What can you give us in your own words? What what is the climate wizard and what is the Mestisenko cycle that it operates with? Yeah, definitely. So um, um, I remember we should start. Um, I worked at a, a company called Sealy International, where um, one of Australia's largest uh, manufacturers of air conditioning, and we've yep. got a it's uh, South Australian made. Got a fact, uh, head office is in um, uh, Adelaide. We've got a, a sister factory in uh, Albury, New South Wales, and we focus on evaporative based cooling technologies and ductile gas heating. And um, I work uh, personally, I'm an uh, application engineer, and I work, um, I focus with, on a product called Climate Wizard, which is an uh, indirect evaporative cooler. And so, um, the crux of it is is that it uses evaporative cooling as its basis, but we, we utilize a heat exchanger, and it's a air-to-air plate heat exchanger. It's got a series of dry channels and wet channels alternating, dry, wet, dry, wet. Mm-hmm. Um, and we use 100% outside air. It all comes in through the dry channels of the heat exchanger. It cools down as it goes through the dry channels. And then with either a secondary fan or back pressure, we divert 45% of the air backwards, but this time through the wet channels. And it's in the wet channels that the evaporative cooling process takes place and then transfers the heat from uh, the next door neighbor dry channel to the wet channel. And so the air in the wet channel, it's uh, evaporatively cooling, picking up heat. Rapidly. I'll try to reconnect. Yeah, we're back. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then 
the air as it goes through the work channel exits, uh, gets discharged to atmosphere, it'd be about four to 10 degrees cooler than ambient air, but 100% humid. So we call that the working air, and that's that's done all of that uh, latent or rough cooling. And then what's left over is 55% of the air, which has been cooled um, and hasn't had any contact with water at all. And um, one of the unique properties is that uh, we can actually cool below the wet bulb, whereas with normal direct evaporative cooling, that wet bulb temperature is the uh, uh, theoretical limit. You can't get past it. Yeah, correct. So when you say, when you refer to latent, that's referring to humidity or moisture content within the airstream. Correct. That's right. Just for those that won't, wouldn't understand that. So how, how would you explain an evaporative cycle? That's an adiabatic process, which again, most wouldn't understand. An evaporative correct. cooler, what is that What is that doing to, yeah, so, uh, to air? Well, I guess um, the, the principle itself is that got uh, uh, water um, in liquid form. Um, it evaporates or t changes state into vapor, and that that takes um, a reasonable amount of energy to, to for the for the water to change that state. It um, um, absorbs uh, that energy out of the air in terms of sensible heat, so it reduces its temperature. But then that moisture content gets added into the air, and um, and that's known as the the latent heat or the the rise in moisture content. And mm -hmm. as you said, it's an adiabatic process. The um, this, the energy state of the air has remained constant. It's just it's shifted around its energy internally. It changes its, its proportions. Yeah. Exactly, Adiabatic is exactly. an e equal energy balance. That's correct. Yeah. The, the human body has an evaporative process. When you're out for a run, your body's sweating. Why is it sweating? Exactly. It's, trying to main, it's trying to maintain its core temperature. It's trying to keep cool. That's, that's right. Built, yeah. Built so, within us. Yeah. So we, we, uh, we, we sweat into our skin. That, that sweat evaporates and cools us down. Yeah, exactly. it creates a, a dry, a sensible, again, it's hard to, a sensible cooling process, which is literally what you see on a thermostat. Correct. That's right. Yeah, just yeah. going from, and then I know Climate Wizard is, was, that's a great point. It's an Australian born and bred product, you know, looking at Correct. quite a leading technology in the market in our industry, which is really impressive. And it's manufactured in Australia, in South Australia, which at the time, like a few weeks ago, was the safest city in the world. <laughs> exactly. With the fewest COVID cases around, there's a couple of companies that have established themselves in our industry in Adelaide. What is it about Adelaide that it's a it's a creating some sense of um, uh, innovation in this market? That's, yeah, I'm not that's, sure that's, an that's an open-ended question. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to answer. I, I do. But we do um, we do have close collaboration with um, uh, universities as well. Is they. There's, in, there's industry bodies, um, it's probably replicated in other states, but I know in, in South Australia, um, they do foster a bit of a union between manufacturing and uh, uh, university bodies as well. Mm -hmm. okay. and, and trying to understand, yeah, trying to um, release, uh, you know, university IP, try to partner with manufacturers as well, and try to understand, you know, what, what is the workforce going to look like in, in 20 years um, to help foster that yeah. innovation as well. Was that the, who's the guy I met, the professor from the Berkeley Labs? Is it Berkeley Labs in California that I met in Adelaide a few years ago? Oh, uh, yeah, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Woolley. You yeah, Jonathan. That's right, yeah. That's a really good strategy. Just, uh, just while you were talking, I was thinking through, how did I come about Climate Wizard? And I, 
as a consultant engineer, I'm always trying to look out for what's coming, new technologies. That's part of our, well, that's probably our biggest role. You know, consulting is bringing knowledge to someone to make a decision. So what is the latest and greatest product that will suit the, their application? I think I, I was Googling, I came across the Colorado product and I started oh, yes. looking at the content and that's when I first looked into this, the Mestestenko cycle. And I don't, it was literally just a, a conversation about this product to a contractor here, uh, Richard Simmons from AirTech. Yep. You know, Richard? And he said, oh uh, yeah, there's a similar product called Climate Wizard. And I said, oh, okay. So that, that's how I found out about it. So what yeah. I know you're one of your challenges as a sales engineer is to try to promote and get this product out to other engineers and get them to understand and buy into it. Where are you at in that process now? And what are your, your uh, challenges in, in communicating this to the engineering yeah, community? Because yeah, I, I just I'm... found it randomly, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, no. We um yeah, we acknowledge that and we yeah, we're trying to get it out there um a bit more to the to the consulting engineering um industry. Uh, but as my, my um boss used to put it, we um we try to solve problems, you know, the consulting engineer has a problem, a bit of a bugbear and um you know we, we set out to try to solve it and um as you you know more than anyone else, um Outside air is often found to be the bane of air conditioning and refrigeration, mm. creates um, yeah. huge, huge loads and issues on systems. And um, the fact of the matter is, is that is, it, it is an important part of um, healthy buildings and, uh, and wellness within buildings. But um, it's a bit of yeah, it's a bit of a balancing act. You, know, you, you want to put in a lot of outside air, but it, it costs a lot of energy. So um, yeah, it's it's treated as a penalty. So, so exactly. those that those that wouldn't know how to design a like a commercial, it's around the world. There's standards that stipulate there's a minimum fresh air allowance based on how, type of occupancy. So if it's 40 degrees outside, it doesn't matter. The standard says you need to bring in, if there's 100 people in there, 100 times 10 liters a second, a thousand liters of fresh air, a thousand liters of 40 degree air. Yeah, exactly. And, and you're trying to cool the space. Fun. So you've got air conditioning equipment pumping away to try to cool that down with compressors and fans. And so that's the penalty we're talking about. But Climate yeah. Wizard, and just even on that, um, compressors require refrigerants and CHFCs. Yes. Now, there's, a, there's already an issue there with regards to its impact on the climate. And there's a push to try to uh, minimize the use of um, HFCs in, in the market and refrigerants. But we can't. It's a necessary evil. Climate yeah, wizard doesn't use doesn't use refrigerant. Yeah. Oh, well, we, yeah. We use what, what we call a natural refrigerant. I think that there is a bit of an industry push to move to natural refrigerants, and uh, the natural refrigerant we use is water. I suppose you can say. It's water. Yeah. Yeah. It's correct. Good. Yeah. But um, but we are seeing, um, especially in this this climate that we're seeing um, currently, uh, a bit more of a push for outside air. Um, we've seen the the well standard. We've we've responded to um, a, a number of um, new buildings in Adelaide adopting the well standard, um, mm -hmm. and that as, as part of that standard, they want to um, introduce over and above the minimum outside air requirements. I think it's about thirty percent over and above. Wow. Yeah, and they um, uh, they see that as um, uh, promoting health inside the buildings. And that's that's part of what uh, uh, climate wizard can do. It's um, as I said, it was 100% outside air, with with no added moisture to the air stream. So um, it's it's really effective at cooling down outside air. 
So just using Adelaide as an example, we might cool down air from 38 degrees down to 19 um, or even lower, mm. um, depending on the, the web hold of the outside air, and can do it very effectively. We're seeing coefficient of performances of um, upwards of um, 20. And, um, and, and Which is unreal. Considering it's um, coefficient of performances of you know, three to four, if you're lucky, on a your traditional... Uh, yeah, so a coefficient of performance can translate to electrical input to get an equivalent cooling output, right? Three to one, one kilowatt of power in, three kilowatts of cooling out. That's right. Um, and that's your, yeah, depending on what type of mechanical system, your Dakin wall split, well, I shouldn't say Dakin, any wall split system, <laughs> inverter or whatever, three, two and a half up to four, and then you go chill water, water-cooled systems, you can go up to six. So to jump to 20 is a significant COP improvement, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's just, um, you can't even match it. Most, without drawing up the schematics for people to understand what a traditional air conditioning design is, you have a small percentage of outside air uh -huh. that's then mixed with return air, and then you have a kind of a closed box where you get a lot of air recirculating in a, in a building. That's right, yeah. So well, a lot of people don't know that. They don't see that a lot of the air is just, there's filters in the system that, you know, they should be maintained and replaced, but in the end, you're just breathing each other's air and, and replacing exactly right. it with a small, small amount of outside air. Yeah. I've heard it recently to as um, rebreathe air <laughs> instead of recycled air. Rebreathe. <laughs> oh no. So with this coronavirus and the fear of that, mm. but I don't, aside from Corona, that's not really the point here. It's to try to make buildings healthier. Exactly. So when you go there, you're, you're feeling alive. You're not feeling lethargic. You're not going to get sick. Your immune system won't get suppressed because you're not picking up some germs from someone else in the next to you at the office. That's right. And I mean, long, long before coronavirus, there was, you know, the term sick building syndrome. It was a well, well established mm -hmm. um, in, in the industry. Um, and and it is that, um, outside air definitely assists with that. So here's another engineering consultant question for you. So obviously I deal with it all the time. We have a brief that was given to us. Uh, let's just talk office environment and keep it simple. A yep. developer has an office, he's developing. He's looking to sign up tenants for these, let's say 10, 20 year lease agreements, which is a lot of money. The, the briefs that are formed as part of their negotiation for mechanical, electrical, all these other services are, are kind of predetermined. Uh -huh. So the lease document would state, or the brief document would state, we want 23 plus or minus one for air conditioning. Oh, and this yeah. is given before any, any engineers are involved. So that's, you know, tw throughout the year, they might say 20 in winter, 23 in summer. Yeah. So they're, so that the engineers are kind of stuck and we're, we're kind of forced to create a design to meet that brief because it's contractual. Yeah. It's now a legal document. Yeah. As opposed to going and saying, look, if it's 40 degrees outside, your, your body, your physiology does not like to be shocked to go to 23. Mm -hmm. If it's hot and dry outside, you don't want to go to 23 inside. It, it, it takes your body core temperature and drops it quickly, which hurts your immune system. You know, so I guess the, the point I'm getting to is there, there should, to use Climate Wizard, it doesn't work in all instances for that tight design brief. But if the brief is relaxed, which is more suitable to the human physiology, it'll it can be used in a lot more applications. Yeah, exactly. Just by saying, oh, we, we can relax it to to 27 on this day. It's 40 outside. It works in that instance. It could work 100% of the year. Yeah. And um, just anecdotally, we, we 
we have seen some success in Japan. They exactly what you said about the thermostat settings uh, with the um, earthquakes and the tsunami that went through knocked off a lot of their um, nuclear power stations are running on yeah. you know lower lower generation. Um, it was actually uh, uh, mandated that um, you increase your thermostat setting to twenty eight. And uh, based on oh really yeah, even at at the time and and um, it was through that we actually found a distributor there in Japan and um, and had quite a lot of success, even in a in a mm. more traditionally humid environment like uh, Japan. We'd um, we'd adopted in pre cooling and, and even standalone cooling in factories. Oh okay, wow that's imp- that's that's good. Yeah, there's a significant energy benefit just by adjusting a thermostat. Yeah, exactly. So that's an end. So if we're designing, supplying, installing, we have only so much control. When we hand it over, it's then teaching the uh, the occupant how to drive the building. Yeah, exactly. To be most efficient, just like if you're paying your own utility bills at your house, your wife's like, "Oh, turn off the lights," or you know, "Turn off the AC. We don't need it," because you're paying the bills. You're more. You notice the feedback every three months when you get your utility bill. Mm-hmm. And it's it's funny. Yeah. There's no like, there's no hard science to do with um, comfort conditions. It's um, if if you if you delve into it, it's actually a it's more of a survey. Like you know, how many people are going to be comfortable in this environment? And um and um, mm-hmm. yeah, the, the the indoor conditions are more set on who the the most amount of people that'll be pleased in these conditions. And yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, it's called pred- predict predicted mean vote. Yeah, that's right. It's a yeah. means to kind of identify where you are. Yeah. And we, we can look at a site chart and we're given a range. Mm. It's kind of like a rhombus zone of what is deemed as a thermally comfortable zone. Mm. And what the variables are, we know, are your dry bulb temperature, your humidity levels exactly. in, in the space. But that, that's not enough to define comfort. There's elements of, okay, the radiant surface temperatures in the space, velocity of air. Mm. You know, if you're getting high draft conditions, that's not comfortable. Yeah, the predicted mean vote also talks about clothing that you're wearing, correct? Um, and then I don't I don't know. Does it get into male, female? Because there are different respiratory rates and metabolic rates between your not every but most your average man versus woman. They 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 have different metabolic rates and different um, perceived levels of comfort. Yeah, there are much like children would have. Yeah, exactly. There are. I know there's uh, you know, different types of activities as well obviously generate different metabolic rates yeah but um but you're right with, with, yep. with um and and we see that in like offices like you're saying they're generally very very constrained um uh set points and um mm. but what, and we have we have adopted climate wizard in the offices um all around australia in the world but it's it's more generally in um pre-cooling and um supplementary cooling and ju- just just to define those as as I said, um, mm-hmm. um, indirect evaporative cooling. There's no added moisture to the airstream. So what that means is that it can work alongside uh, uh, vapor compression cycle or DX uh, units inside a building um, as just a mm-hmm. pre-cooler or even as a, a base load unit, and then and then a DX system might come in as trim. So um, remember, well, we used that on the class Selby Street. We did that design concept. Oh, exactly. Yeah. That can. Oh, that was a while ago now. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Yeah, you're one of the, definitely one of the early adopters. Jeff. Yeah, but that's the thing. At the time, you, you, you're aware of it. You take There's no risks because you look at the, the data and the fundamentals of it and you apply it. So, And with your support, it was 
it was fun. It, it's all working great. So yeah, back to the like the tight dead bands. These are really what we're creating are artificial spaces. Mm. Um, another point, you know, water is a natural refrigerant. These other refrigerants are not so much. Um, but in a, a compressor, when it's running, it's pump. It's creating a refrigerant cycle. You're pumping, putting, pushing air through a DX coil, which is a refrigerant-based coil. And what is that coil designed to do? It's designed to drop the temperature, but it's also pulling moisture out of the exactly, air. Exactly. Yeah. And then we, again, we don't have a schematic to show here, but we we talk about that recirculated air coming back through through these systems. So what's happening? It's kind of like um, it's being wrung dry. The space is being wrung dry. Mm -hmm. Another element to note is that humans, we perspire. When we breathe, we have a lot of water vapor in the air. We talked about sweating when you're running. Well, we're always sweating. That's where body odor comes from. So the, the active air conditioning system is literally wicking our bodies. It's pulling moisture out of us, which is why we feel lethargic and tired if we don't drink enough water in an office environment. So that's why it's it's not technically it's not a healthy space to be in. Uh, and and just just to add to that, just recently with um you know with coronavirus, we um I have seen articles and and papers on um is actually for for um reducing um aerosolized infectious disease spread in in buildings is actually a a, a sweet spot in humidity um inside the building. I don't know whether you've come across that, but um. Oh, I didn't read it. I saw an article. What What is that sweet spot? It's a forty to sixty percent. All right. It's a higher higher level. Oh, 40 to sixty percent. Forty to which 60. is it now that that is the sort of design RH which you tend to tend to work with, but the issue is is that mm -hmm. um, buildings control on a thermostat, not a not a humidistat or a, a hygrostat. So um, you're controlling on temperature, but you don't actually have control over the humidity. And as you said, with the recirculation going about. Um, and and um, just the the matter of fact of infiltration, dry infiltration air from outside, um, you're drying out buildings. And yeah, I was just just talking with a consulting yeah. engineer last night on that, and um, they actually did a model for mm. Adelaide, and they found that it was sixty percent of the year where um, um, a building is outside of that forty to sixty percent range. It's too low. Yeah, too, too low. Exactly. Or... Yeah. It's too yeah. dry. And so. Um, yeah, we're seeing consulting engineers now trying to solve that problem for um, uh, building owners and operators. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. It's another, I just had the thought of like with these air conditioning systems, they have not been around, they weren't around 500 years ago no. <laughs> or 400, 300. That's only a recent invention. And it came from a move in the, I don't know, 60s and 70s where there was a shift towards lighter weight construction, you know, buildings that are just all glass, which I find kind of, oh, yeah. at the time, no no one's really mindful and conscious of how, well, one, air conditioning systems and relate to building fabric and glass. Yes, yeah, exactly. You know, I was just, I, I won't name a drive, I just, I go up West Coast Highway here, I go for runs a bit. Um, these homes are on the, on, that are getting built right along the, the ocean are, you know, massive. So obviously people have money to spend there. there uh, there's, I can, there's like a, more than a handful that are just glass boxes facing the West. <laughs> I wonder who, who's deciding to do that? Is the, is the client saying, I just want, I want to live in a fish tank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Facing West where I'm going to get all that sun copping and it's not going to be uh, 
anyway, there's a there's a disconnect there between performance and how buildings should be designed as well. Um, but then another one, it's just become this thing where everyone is accustomed to having it. Yes. And it, it's just part of our, it's part of a culture now that if I'm going to have an office, I need air conditioning in that space. And it needs to be this way because that's how the guy next door has done it. Yeah, exactly. Which, yeah, which is kind of why like, the key is it would be good to, to educate earlier, earlier in the design chain so that products like yours can actually be thought of. They don't have to apply to every a application, but at least it can be considered as a value add. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And and on the other end of the scale, I suppose you've got, you know, like your well standards, Green Star, Neighbours, which um which help uh, move move away mm. from that a bit of that mindset and um and also passive house as well. Um that's starting to gain popularity in Australia. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm really into passive house. I, the fundamentals are are sound. Um how how do is your product we've talked about this, you've you have an app, uh, a system that's suitable for a house environment. Oh yeah, in the in the indirect, like the change out, the change out in the yes, indirect. Yeah, exactly. Event. Yeah. So, um, I guess our, our uh, core business is um, uh, residential uh, evaporative coolers and and heaters. Uh, and when we developed Climate Wizard, mm -hmm. um, the the full intention was to move to a um, residential type unit. Um, but with the development of the heat exchanger, it was, it was a bit bulky and was sort of fixed to commercial or industrial type environments. But we have uh, invested mm -hmm. uh, significant money and uh, R&D resources into refining that heat exchanger. And um, yeah, in, in the last uh, couple of years, we've developed uh, what we call the micro core um, and installed a new line in the factory. Um, and, and we've developed a, a more compact um, climate wizard type unit so it's actually the same same footprint as your um, traditional uh, rooftop domestic uh, direct evaporative coolers that you see um, around the place, but it uh, adopts that indirect okay. evaporative cooler um, heat exchanger. So it's a simple change out from one. Yeah, to well, another. it's um, it, it's a similar sort of approach and design. It'll it'll sit on the roof um, with it on a dropper, and then. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, flexi ducting throughout throughout the house, so very 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 similar approach. So here, this is a question, just because I I was having lunch with Evan the other day, and we were talking uh, about passive house and some case studies we're looking at, and he said, "Oh, could climate wizard be used in this application?" I said, "Yeah, it could." But with passive house, you you know the fundamentals around passive house, right? So you have just a solid, high built up R value wall fabric, double triple glazing, no thermal breaks. And they use ERVs, which is just trickling air in and trickling it out through a small heat exchanger. So the air volumes in a typical house or apartment are very small with the passive yes, house. Yeah. All right. And the idea with that is that you're constantly changing the air out and it's thermally, it's thermally, um, well, in the Australian climate, there's very few places where you couldn't get away without air conditioning using the passive mm -hmm. house concept. But it works off minimal outside air. How would you apply it? With the climate wizard, my first thought because the heating heating's always an issue, right? If you have a, a passive house designed well in Australia, you probably wouldn't need any heating elements. No, no, you wouldn't. You I know um, from the, the bit of research I've done on passive house, it's um, obviously comes from Europe and it's a uh, heating uh, dominant environment, and so a lot of the a lot of the wording of passive house yeah. is around um, 
obviously thermally sealing the building uh, and, and sealing off infiltration areas. That's a big focus. But also trying to make use yeah. of sunlight, you know, natural heating elements that you might find. Um, but then porting that to Australia where it's a cooling cooling dominant environment um, is a bit flipped around on its head a bit. But um, but still the practice of um, increasing the, the um, thermal barriers and infiltration is obviously good practice. Um, but um, yeah, in, in more hot, hot, dry environment, it's definitely still a good practice where you do. There, there is some outside air that you need in the buildings, um, even though it's a small, smaller quantity. Mm -hmm. Definitely could be served by indirect evaporative cooling. Well, I would say more, more fresh air, the better. Yeah. More yeah, the exactly. better. I'm getting ideas <laughs> now on, on, on a concept. <laughs> So if, if you just had a typical fabric or a traditional design or build up, it wasn't fully passive house. Well, in the house I'm here in Karenup, it's, it's only, um, I think it's only five years old. It's a nice, good build. It's traditional WA block work, brick work, no yep. insulation. So I go from swings. I go from, okay, there, there's literally maybe five days of the year where I'm not using any air conditioning. And then there's a swing. I'm like, oh, it's too cold. I need <laughs> yeah, to turn okay. on the heater. Yeah which is kind of where I'm at right now. So that type of knowing that's the typical construction method here, Climate Wizard would, would especially in the WA climate, which is very Mediterranean, Climate Wizard would sort it through 100% of the year. Heating element is the, uh, the, uh, the catch. So what are the options for heating? Um, My thought was you could potentially go with a radiant heating system in a floor as a, as a as a means to get by but let me yeah, know your thoughts definitely so we've ideas. um and we did quite a lot of market research before we um, released the, the product and obviously the big one of the big factors um, um that, that the market responded to was that it needs um it needs to have cooling and heating sort of you know in, in this in this system and um yeah we have yeah we have um sort of thought about that long and hard and um when we sort of released the product and marketed it, we, we definitely did want to adopt that um, cooling and heating side of it. So we call that the, the dual system. And it's effectively, we've um, sort of come up with a design. It's two separate units, but it all you know works as one. So it's a um, the Climate Wizard uh, dropper and ducting for the cooling side of things. And then we use that same ducting and just damper it off. We've got a uh, ducted gas heater as well. Um, Providing the hot air for winter. And that's located Correct. in the roof yeah. space? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then with that type of system versus a traditional, you're you're obviously you're having a gas consumption, but most houses have four gas burner kitchen, cook yeah, that's right. and the like. That's not yeah, an in issue. Australia, yeah, yeah Australia is heating. definitely um, um you know well entrenched gas um, with gas in buildings. Um it has been, you know, as we mm -hmm. get you know, ideally, in a perfect world, we'll, we'll get closer to 100% um, um, renewable. But, um, you know, one aspect of that mm -hmm. is if, if you take all, you know, all, all gas um, uh, gas infrastructure offline to, to tackle that, then all of that load that needs to be dealt with needs to um, move on towards an electricity network, which is just creates, um, creates an even bigger problem. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, one big focus in that industry is that um, we're trying to uh, decarbonize the gas network, and so the grand plan, yeah, the grand plan. How would they do that? Um, you know, say twenty, thirty years, is to move towards hydrogen. 
and it'll be yeah, it'll be you know, 10% oh, really? first, um, and then move on, move towards um, 100%, maybe after uh, 50 years, for example. Um, and you can generate hydrogen uh, with a electrolysis using renewable renewable um, electricity. Oh, that's interesting. There's been a push. They were talking about fuel cell hydrogen oh, yeah. technology in cars. There's still a couple of manufacturers that are trying to push that out, but it, electrification's kind of taken over with Tesla. And yeah, exactly. And if if um if hydrogen becomes more mainstream in in infrastructure and network, yeah, we might we might see a move towards um, um sort of fuel cell type technology. I think, well, the Band-Aid, again, I always talk about, we provide a Band-Aid to suit the fabric in the building yeah. construction in most instances. So if houses were designed, you know, with a bit more thought into insulation and thermal bridging, more of the past, doesn't have to be fully passive house standard, but enough to make it a proper insulated box. Then you're in a position where your heating demand can be picked up because if you look at passive house, they don't they don't need much exactly. to heat the space. They talk about three or four <laughs> candles or five candles for here. You could have a couple little radiant panels in a house or a little radiant floor system, and you would have you could nix the gas duct heater solution and just have the climate was exactly yeah, and then exactly. you'd be done. Yeah, yeah especially in Australia. So there's a there's a in Australia it's such a yeah. huge potential here. What is the construction method for typical housing in, in Adelaide? I didn't really pay much attention when I visited there. Oh, it's, um, typically, is it tim timber, timber frame? Yeah, timber or uh, you know steel. You see, you see about the place, and it's typically brick veneer. Most most of the yeah most brick most veneer. of the um, sort of you know mainstream housing developers. That's that's the type of construction they use. Any black tile um, roofs? Those always drives me nuts when yeah, I see Yeah, it seems the modern, modern trend is um, sort of Helibon, <laughs> Helibon steel roofs. Yeah. Okay. Very good. So how, climate, how is the Colorado product being brought in? I know Sealy purchased them a few years back. Yeah, correct. Less than five so, years um, ago. Uh, so they're based in uh, Denver, Colorado. It's the Colorado now. Um, yeah, we, we buy them yeah, about five mm -hmm. years ago now. Um, so we have well, we, we were starting to bring in the technology into Australia, but it, it just didn't make much sense um, with the US dollar. And uh, you know, there's there's a technology that we develop within Australia that and performs, you know, um, just about exactly the same. So um, um, we left uh, the two regions of themselves basically. So Climate Wizard would predominantly handle Australia and Colorado. Colorado product would be um, more focused on uh, in the US. Um, but since yeah. oh, I see. Yeah, that's since probably then, that's um, a smart move. We've actually we've actually moved um, Climate Wizard manufacturing into the Denver factory as well, um, and we we're actually finding that the the Climate Wizard product itself is um, um, being selected and um, distributed much more in America, and the Colorado product. I think it stems to the fact that it's it's just the the heat exchanger manufacturing method. It's it becomes a quite an expensive heat exchanger. Um, the 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 Colorado mm -hmm. one. Um, so it tends to be used. Plus, you have more you have more higher capacity in the climate wizard as well. You get well, more it's airflow. it's a bit more compact, I suppose you could say, um, the Colorado. But um, we 
when we do use that heat exchanger or the cooler rotor design, it's um it's more specialist applications. So one of the one of the unique properties of the cooler rotor mm. heat exchanger is that um, um you can easily manifold uh, the intake air and um, supply air. So you can actually um, you can mm -hmm. actually run uh, well 100% return air back into the um, unit, and we've developed that into a product which we call the indirect air side economizer. And so that has some uh, yeah that has some niche really? applications. Um, one being data centers, where um, they're very yeah they're very hesitant to use outside oh, wow. air, um, and yeah ma mainly because mm -hmm. of the um, somewhat unpredictable uh, moisture content of the outside air, plus um, they have plus dust yeah, particles and airborne particles. particles. It could, it could dust, be a fire yeah. next door, but um. The other thing is that they have fire suppression systems inside yeah. data centers where they run recirculated uh, uh, gas through the through the data center. So the data center remains operational, but um, this gas you know puts out any fires. Mm -hmm. And so you can't use you know, you can't use a hundred percent outside air system with that. That's true. We're working on the data center here in Perth on, on Lord Street. That's exactly that. They're using those hundred percent outsider processing units that are quite um, okay. Interesting. Where, are there any Colorado applications installed in in Adelaide or anywhere in Australia? Um, no, or yeah, mostly in the US, in the US and then um, uh, it's uh, South America as well. There are yeah, there are a few um, installations in Australia. Um, not not too many though. Okay. So where do you see the industry going from here? Like, obviously, we've had a three-month kind of mm -hmm. disruption to the world. Things have changed. I think there's an opportunity in our industry to kind of promote and educate, uh, you know, the well-standard and healthy healthy buildings. And it's important, great for people to understand the high-level systems that we design. So they're mindful of, of the importance of, of, yeah, exactly. of healthy air quality. Well, I think where it's going is um, uh, just in... You know, in light of um, you know, obviously the recent climate, um, there there is a lot of scientific backing and, and push to um, to seriously consider the the uh, wellness and well-being of uh, buildings. Um, and outside air forms a big factor of that, and also as, as I mentioned, uh, uh, relative humidity controls kind of form a big factor of that. So I'm thinking more short to, to long term. It might mm -hmm. be building codes that are going to get revised and changed. Um, New legislation, things like that, um, and then you know we might see a bit more of a boom in um, outside air processing type of equipment for, for finer control. Definitely, there's a huge market for you or for oh, us exactly. as well in the schools, and I'm I'm working on means to educate them, educate this young generation as well. Because right, we grew up with okay. And, and as an engineer, right, you know how it is. If you have a design where you have a perimeter zone, internal zone, if it's not zoned properly, you have someone over here that's complaining. You could have the perfect temperature profile in a space, 23 degrees, somebody sitting near a window, they're picking up a radiant gain. They feel a, they don't feel comfortable and they make a complaint. You could go literally, you could adjust that. Now this, I'm not saying I do this or we do, but it's a psychological factor. You could go and literally change the panel and, and make it say 20 degrees. 
that same individual say, <laughs> I feel better now. <laughs> because it's like, it's psychological. It's like a lot of it is. But there's people can walk around and see 23 and they become experts at air conditioning. Like, oh, it's 23, 20, blah, blah, blah. But why don't we see CO2 yes. in relative humidity as standard in the space so we can, they can start becoming yeah. familiar with what they mean? Oh, my PPM levels are yes. too high. There was, a, there was an architect over here in Perth who did a presentation on passive house and air quality at the Architects Institute. I wasn't there. I just heard about it. And he had a CO2 monitor in the, in the room. And this is an old building. They don't have any outside air, no systems running. There might have been 50 to 80 architects in that room. And then I think a half an hour to an hour in, he pulled out the, the sensor and said, mm -hmm. we're up to like 1300 PPM. And, um, and they're like, holy, we didn't, that's pretty, that's not a good healthy space yeah, exactly. to be in. And I think when, when, if people see that information and understand, react to it, yeah, they, um, they really take notice to it. I, I recall in an article I read, I think it was from, um, it was like a, a cheap mass producible uh, particle sensors that they were advertising. And um, they, they mm -hmm. outfitted homes with these sensors so they could see um, so, so the the homeowner could see, you know, what rooms had certain particle levels in in the air, and um, they would they would see that map and put oh, a screen, yeah. and um, if like they would have just just um, quite extreme reactions to it. If they saw some room was you know abnormally high in, in particles, they actually just would not go in the room. You know, they're, they're very affected by it. Um, things oh, like yeah, yeah, things like um, you know have a have a guess with oh, allergies yeah. coming over, they might um think of vacuuming up, but oddly enough, um, the process of vacuuming generate more particles in the, in the air. So they adjusted their um, their habits once they had this new information. Yeah, Imagine exactly. the impact on yeah. pet owners <laughs> with cats. Yeah, well, the cat can't be in the house. Get him out. <laughs> you don't want a sensor that can pick up COVID. That would just freak out. The... <laughs> All right, we got to move out. <laughs> oh that's awesome oh, cool thanks Johanna that was, that was great so I'll um, if you have any like recent brochures or information on the climate wizard I'll, I'll attach a link oh, yes. to the blog uh, so that can be kind of referenced with this this podcast if people are more interested yeah, great. and want yeah, to know more and um, yeah we're obviously um, more, more than happy to help out like, do you have like any... I said, part of my role is we even um, we go as far as to do initial analyses and um, performance reports on um, uh, applying climate wizard to various buildings, and that, that's a free service which which we offer. Which is always very helpful, and you're very quick at it as well. You know, a lot we've you've done that on a number of projects for us, and a lot of yeah, times yeah. the projects don't go go ahead, but. Um, Every time we do that, we learn more about the product and its, yeah, its exactly. potential. So it oh, is a great service. Thank you. Definitely. All right, man. Any plans this uh, weekend? We have a long weekend uh, here. Um, Monday is a WA day. Sick child at the moment, so we'll probably stay in. Oh no. No, uh, nothing. Nothing no, too serious. Nothing serious. Um, like he's not running a fever or anything, but um, uh, it's just he's he's at daycare, so this sort of thing goes around. 
Oh, daycare. <laughs> That's another yeah, subject. Yeah. I don't think there's too much you could do with the air conditioning there yeah. to fix that. I think it's just <laughs> right. the, the kids just don't understand, you know, best hygiene practices. <laughs> More than it's <laughs> it's the right. dirty toys and yeah, that's it. Sneezing on each other, but that's important it for is, them to yeah. build immunity, though, too, isn't it? This is all part of it's all part of life. It's all part of growing up, and that's the worry with this whole scenario that our immune systems are actually not going to be able to to handle the virus because it at some point everyone is going to get it. It's not everyone, but yes, yeah, what they call it herd immunity, where the majority will. Yeah, come exactly. across it and their immune system will beat it. Yeah. All right, man. Well, cool. Thanks a lot for your time. I really appreciate that. We'll uh, we'll share that information out. And I'll, are you okay if I put your contact yeah, details if anyone yeah, wants good. to get in touch with you? Yeah, we won't. Any happy. questions on Climate Wizard? All right, I'll, I'll do that. Really? All right, man. Thanks okay. a lot. We'll have Thanks a good so weekend. Thanks, All right, and we'll, we'll catch up soon. Thanks for listening to the Business of Buildings podcast. Thanks to Johan for sharing, um, showing us the ropes of indirect evaporative cooling. I'll share a link to Sealy and Climate Wizard along with Johan's contact details for those interested to find out more. We look forward to sharing more perspectives and knowledge in future episodes. Stay tuned. <laughs>